Well, good. Man, that, this is a fun day, huh? It's good stuff. Hey, turn with me in Matthew chapter 6. Let's get into the Word of God, and um, let's get this thing rolling here. Oh, man, I love seeing people baptize in water, and uh, I love seeing the church come together and give. I love what Art's doing, so... Thank you for uh, praying like Kurt was leading us in prayer. Keep praying like that. Keep praying for art. Keep praying for our church. Keep praying uh, for people to come to know the Lord. Awesome. So Matthew chapter 6, we have been learning how to steward the kingdom of God. We've been learning that everything we have is from the Lord, that he's the Lord, and that he not only created us, But he also bought us with his blood so that we don't belong to ourselves anymore. We belong to the Lord. And now everything we have and everything we are has been brought into his kingdom. It's to serve him, right? To bring him glory. And so we're learning that in every area of our life, we need to know what his will is and we need to obey him. Yeah? We need to learn to obey. Not because we're trying to earn anything because he loves us. And because he bought us with his blood and we want to bring him glory. And we know that this is the way that God releases blessing in our life. If we'll do things his way. And so we've said that, look, everything in our life, whether it's your relationships or your time or marriage or the kids that you're discipling, your own kids or maybe someone else's, you know, as a teacher, your job, your ministry, sometimes your job and ministry together, the people who are in your life that need Jesus or you're discipling them and such. All those things are the Lord's, yeah? And your money. See, we've been talking more generally that these things are the Lord's and how we need to be led by the Spirit. We need to know His will. But I just want to get personal today. You know, I want to talk to you about something that we don't like to talk about Money, and how all of it's the Lord's, all of it's the Lord's, and so the question is, for Christ followers, what does he ask me to do with his money? Amen? Amen. Can I get an amen? Now, let me tell you, there's so much wisdom in the Bible, there's so much wisdom, like, you know, for those of you here who are not Christ followers yet, we love you, we love where you're at in your walk with the Lord, and, uh, I mean, in your spiritual journey and such, Uh, there's so much wisdom in the Bible, I mean, People, people steal, I mean borrow, from the wisdom in the Bible to write their books and make money. You know? There is so much wisdom in the Bible that even if you don't believe the scriptures are from God, even still you could just steal the wisdom and apply it to your life. But what I'm going to talk to you about today is something that will make those who aren't Christ followers thankful they're not Christ followers. No, I'm joking around. A little. Because... Because for those of us who are Christ followers, we have to take serious some of the things that the Lord asks us to do that are absolutely avenues for blessing, absolutely wise, but don't seem like it to our carnal mind. And so, we're going to start today by talking about what God wants us to do with, with his money. Jesus makes a big deal about it in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. Matthew six nineteen, And he says to his disciples in Matthew chapter 6, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy or where thieves break in and steal or the stock market is volatile and banks do weird things and, okay, never mind. 
But, verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let me just read that again. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, where your money is, there your heart will be also. He says the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon means not just money, it's possessions, and it's referring to the God, the demon behind that consumerism. See, listen, Jesus makes it very clear that your heart is connected to your money, or the other way around. Your money is connected to your heart. See, God doesn't need your money. And he cares less about the money itself as much as he cares about your heart. He cares about your heart. He cares... What he's after when he's talking about money is he's after your heart. Who do you trust? Who do you serve? Who do you put first? That's the issue that he's trying to deal with in our hearts. And so you can see that here. He's saying don't store up your treasures on earth, but store up your treasures in heaven. How do you, how do, you do that? How do you do that? And he says the reason why is because your treasure is connected to your heart. That where your treasure is, there your heart will be. You ever seen those people with like a nose ring and then like an earring and then like a chain that connects them? You ever seen that? Like they got chains going down to their belly button and they're all over. Like chains everywhere, you know? Just imagine that right now. You got your wallet and you got your heart and a little chain connected right there. How you spend your money, how you give your money, all an evidence of your heart before the Lord. Do you see what he's saying? You cannot serve God and possessions. You cannot serve God and the God of consumers. We cannot serve God and money. It's one or the other. So the question is, who do you trust? Who do you serve? Who do you put first? And then you'll see, if you, you'll see right after that where he says you cannot serve God or money. He says, therefore, don't worry. Meaning that worry is an evidence that I'm trusting in mammon possessions, things, money, rather than God. And then he goes down and in verse 33, because oh, I'm not going to read that whole story, he says, so seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He's promising, of course, blessing and provision. He's promising, look, I'll take care of you. Because remember, we've talked about this. He's the owner, we're the manager. He's the owner, we're the manager. And if we'll steward his stuff, he'll release blessing. If we'll steward his stuff, he'll release blessing. But we've got to know as the managers of his stuff, what does he want me to do with his stuff? And isn't it very interesting that he's saying, who's your God? Who do you serve? 
Is it God or money? And where do you put your money? Where do you put it? Where do you, where do you put your treasure? Is it on earth or is it in heaven? And then he says, well, here, let me tell you how to do it. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. So clearly, clearly, whoever you put first, whoever you put first is the one you serve. Whoever you put first is the one you trust. Whoever you put first is your God. Amen? Now, seeking first the kingdom, I mean, this is so much bigger than money. Because he's saying, look, you serve me, you serve my agenda, you partner with me to love people and to make disciples. Well, how do we know that? That's what seeking first the kingdom, because I preached on it already. But no, it's because it's in the book of Matthew. It's all over the place. He's like, go make disciples. Go love people. Like, go take care of the hurting and the broken, the lost, the least, the little, right? So, so we know that what he's saying is, you put me first. You put what I need, what I want, and my agenda first. People. Things that are eternal, you put that first. The things that I'm doing on the earth. But it, he is talking about money in this passage, isn't he? Yeah? I mean, I, it's right there. Seek first. Seek first. So he's clearly implying that you'll do something with your money first. Yes? See, here's the deal. I want, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus in on on tithing here for a second, it's not, it's not mentioned specifically in this passage, but follow me here. Tithing is not, is not really about your money. It's about your heart. It's about who's first. It's about who is first. Who's your God? Who do you trust? He's not after your money. He's after your heart. Because your heart connected to your money first do you see that seek first god has always wanted the thing that is first why because he wants your heart he wants what's first that's really what's going on with the tithe see the tithe is not just an old testament principle it's not it's not legalism it is god's it's God's. Simple. See, it's not like Jesus didn't know the Old Testament, right? In fact, it's not like he didn't write it. And he said, I didn't come to destroy it. I came to fulfill it. So the question is, what does this look like to put God first? I'm saying my whole life I give to Jesus. My whole life. We've already said that in this series. Look, everything is the Lord's. Everything. Everything. But the question is, as if he's the owner and I'm the manager, then what does he ask for? That's a pretty good question, don't you think? If he's the owner and I'm the manager, and he says, so of all that you make, I want you to give me 10%. And by the way, I'm going to bless you if you do that. You're the steward. You're the steward. You're the manager. He's the owner. And we look into the word of God. We look into the word of God, the manual, the instructions to find out what is the will of the master? What does the master want of us? And he tells us, I want what's first. Specifically, very specifically throughout the Old and the New Testament, he wants the tithe. And so to make sure you understand, if you do a word study on the word tithe, it just means tenth. It means 10%. It can't mean anything other than that. But it's funny, we have weird ways of doing math. 
Tithe means tithe. It means a 10%. And listen to what God says. For example, in Leviticus. Leviticus 27, verse 30. And all the tithe, all the 10%, the tenth of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. See, that's what we believe at this church. That's what I teach you, because I believe it's my responsibility to teach you this, that the tithe belongs to the Lord. Plain and simple, no way around it, just what it says right there, the tithe belongs to the Lord. It's His. It's holy. There's something about the first fruits, the first portion of any of our increase that God wants. He actually thinks it's his. He takes it that seriously that he says, that's mine. It's holy to me. That's what he says. It's mine. It belongs to me. Now, who, who are you to say that, God? Who are you to say that's yours? Well, I think we already covered that, right? He's the owner. See, this is the law you, you see this, and I don't mean laws in the Old Testament law. I mean, this is the principle, this is the law that undergirds covenant. That we're in covenant with him, we're his servants. This is what undergirds so much. You'll see this throughout the Old Testament. In the Torah, he'll say things like in Exodus 13. He says, I want the firstborn of all your animals. I want your firstborn sons. Them you redeem, you don't kill them, right? He says, I want the first part of all your increase. You'll see this. This is, this is it. I, just, I want everything that's first. I want everything that's first. He establishes this. In fact, he clarifies it in Exodus twenty two twenty nine. He says, you shall not delay to offer the first of your ripe produce and your juices, the firstborn of your sons, and you shall give to me. Likewise, you shall do with your oxen and your sheep. See, he just goes through and he just says, see that? Yeah, that first part, I want that. Yeah, that first part, I want that too. That first part, I want that too. He wants the first. And as Leviticus says, it belongs to the Lord. Listen to Malachi 3.8. This is one of the prophets. He says, God says through Malachi, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? I mean, come on, God, you own everything. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. What are you talking about? We can't rob you. He says, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. See, a tithe is what is due the Lord. It's what belongs to him. It's the first tenth of everything. Offerings is something that is a free will offering, other sacrifices, giving to mercy, to bless people, lending to the poor. See, all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, by the way, there's a lot of times when the Bible will talk about giving a thank offering, a free will offering, Maybe even in a sacrificial animal, or like I said, the Bible will say, for example, there's a random law that says don't go over your fields a second time to glean it, to pick everything off, leave it there for the orphan and the widow, for the stranger who doesn't have a job, is, you know, like the illegal immigrant or, okay? He says, that's what they mean by alien. They don't really mean aliens, like sci-fi movies, right? They mean like the immigrant. He says, he says leave it there. Or, or like in the Proverbs, if you lend to the, I'm sorry, if you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. So there's scriptures in the New Testament, for example. You have stories where Paul is collecting a free, free will offering for the churches. He's collecting a, the free will offering for people who are struggling in poverty. 
and, and he's collecting this free will offering. And people misunderstand the difference between a tithe and an offering. And the Bible makes it very, very clear. What is the tithe and what is the offering? A tithe is what belongs to the Lord. It means tenth. And it's referring to the first part. Clearly. In Old and New Testament. And then clearly, there are, throughout the Old and New Testament, times where they're building the temple and people are invited to give a free will offering to the temple out of their abundance. Or like I said, in the New Testament, where they're collecting this free will offering for the poor. And it's out of their abundance. But the tithe belongs to the Lord. He's so serious about it that did you see what he says in Malachi 3? You rob God. God is saying, you have robbed me. You have robbed me. That's pretty serious language. Why does God feel that he is robbed when he doesn't get the tithe? Because that's what his part is. It reminds me of a story of he went into a nice restaurant, he sat down and he eaten by himself and he had a big steak and, and you know, a glass of wine and, and hors d'oeuvres or, you know, appetizers and a dessert and all this stuff. I mean, I mean, just one man, he racks up, you know, over a hundred dollar bill. He's enjoying his meal and the waitress uh, or waiter comes and gives him the bill. Thank you very much. And he grabs the bill and he takes uh, some money out of his pocket, throws down a 20 of about a hundred dollar meal, throws down a 20. And he walks out. The waiter comes over and sees the, uh, the 20, kind of cleaning up, and sees the 20, and, oh, cool, I got, I got an you know, okay tip, you know. Put the tip in the pocket or in their thing, and then realize, oh, the man didn't pay. The man didn't pay. So trying to be respectful, but, you know, quick, the waiter kind of runs out of the building, and, hey, sir, 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 um, hey, I noticed, I didn't notice that you paid. You didn't pay the bill. And he says, oh, that's okay. I gave you a good tip. And the waiter says, oh, thank you, actually. Yeah, thank you very much. But you still need to pay the bill. There's a lot of people who are tipping God. Hey, thank you very much, God, for blessing me. Here you go, here's a little bit. And God is grateful. Oh, believe me, God, God's like, hey, thank you very much. Thank you for thanking me. Thank you, yeah, thank you. And he'll bless you. But listen, there is a huge difference between an offering, a thank offering, a free will offering, there's a huge difference between a little thank you, Jesus, and the tithe. The tithe is what belongs to the Lord. It's what's due him. And he actually thinks that it is. So much that if you run out of the restaurant without paying, he says, but you just robbed me. The tithe belongs to the Lord. But Why? Does he need your money? Does he want to rob from you? No. Why? The tithe. Why is the tithe the first part? I love what he says here in verse 10. Bring all the tithes, the whole tithe, into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Bring all the tithes. I love that about God. It's hilarious. Just to make sure you understand, bring all of the 10%. I love that. All the 10%. If you don't know how to do math, right? So is that gross or net? Gro- all the tithe. 
before Uncle Sam, before all your bills, before all the things you can deduct, all the tithe. But he says, bring it into my storehouse, and there may be food in my house. See, that's one of the key reasons uh, for uh, purposes of tithing, is that as you're not only giving your time and your energy and your relationships to the kingdom so that people would come to know Jesus, you're giving your money to fuel the kingdom. It feeds those who are serving the Lord, right? I mean, literally, you bring food into his house. In the Old Testament, it was to feed the Levites and such who were doing the work of the Lord in the temple. But Paul says that the worker is worthy of his wages. He says that the money needs to uh, fuel the gospel. And it's not just the people who are preaching the gospel, but the tools that we use for the gospel. We couldn't really do a food ministry if we didn't have a building to do the food ministry, right? It's just a tool. Just like you need a car to get to work, right? You need a car, most of you, to get to work. It's a tool. It's a means to an end, but you still got to pay the money for it, right? But it's part of the investment side of you making money as your job. Well, it's the same thing with the gospel. It's the same thing with the gospel. And, and we don't necessarily need a building, Un, but if that's the tool that God's given us to do the ministry, then somebody has to take care of that tool and pay for that tool, right? See, what, 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 what's going on here is things, what, what we're doing is we're fueling the mission. What, what, what we're saying is, hey, I don't just, I don't just oh, I, I want people to come to Jesus, but we don't put our money into it. Well, then our money proves that we don't really want it, right? See, your, your, your money shows whether or not you really are investing into the kingdom. But then he says, not only does it bring food into his storehouse, but it says, try me in this, end of verse 10, try me in this. He's saying, test me, test me, test me, see what I'll do. You go ahead and bring the whole tithe and I'll, I'll, I'll see, you see what I'll do for you. And this is what he says he'll do. I will, uh, uh, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not test me, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. See, that's the promise of those who tithe, the whole tithe. That God will cause you to increase above your ability. Abundance for every good work, the Bible says. See, that he'll cause you to be blessed beyond what you could do in your own natural ability, beyond your own expertise, beyond your own skill level, beyond the economic level of everybody else around you. He's saying, I'm going to pour out blessing on you. That won't really be able to be explained. I'm going to pour it out on you. And I'm going to cause you to increase in favor and promotion and sales and, 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 and in income. And in, and in many other ways, of course. <clears throat> Verse 11, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Dead and bees. I think that's what it really means in the Hebrew. I will rebuke the fees for your sake. No, I'm just messing around. The devourer. In their culture, agriculturally, bugs and blight and things like that that would harm crop, which would harm, which would harm produce, which would harm income. But for us, there's other things. So that the, he, the devourer, will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord. See, so God is trying to say, look, I want to get you blessed. I want to bless you. I want to bless you. I want to bless you. And I'll tell you, over and over again throughout the Bible, he is promising, if you will put me first, all these things shall be added unto you. If you will put me first, I will pour out blessing from heaven. If you will put me 
first. Why? Because he's the owner, we're the manager. And if the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. If he's my Lord, it's his responsibility to provide for me. If we're in covenant and he's my Lord, then what's his is mine and what's mine is his. And as long as I give to him what's his, he is responsible to take care of my needs because we're in covenant. And he's promised blessing on the tithe that if we give to him what's his, he'll take care of us and he'll cause us to be increased above our ability. See, he doesn't need our, our money. I love this in, in uh, Psalm 50. God says, I will not rebuke you for your sacrifices or your burnt offerings, which are continually before me. I will not take a bull from your house, nor goats out of your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. We always quote that verse, don't we? I know all the birds of the mountains and all the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, would I not tell you? Like, I'm not gonna, I don't need you. For the world is mine and, and, and all its fullness. Will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? See, God, God is trying to say, I'm not hungry. I don't need you. I cause water to come from a rock for my servants. I cause manna to fall from heaven out of nowhere. I mean, it's manna. It has no explanation, zero explanation. I mean, water out of a rock, maybe, you know, okay, there was an oasis down there. But come on, bread from heaven. God needs nobody. He needs nothing to provide. He can do whatever he wants, right? He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. Remember, Jesus did have women following him, supplying his needs according to, uh, out of their substance or uh, out of what they had. But when he went to go multiply loaves and fishes for the multitude, did he need them? No. In fact, what they could have provided could not have met all of the need. And of course, Jesus wasn't worried about his own need. He was giving to the multitude, and he, po- he multiplies loaves and fishes from where? I mean, he took five loaves, a couple fish, but still he multiplied from heaven, didn't he? Open the storehouses of heaven to pour out blessing on the people he was ministering to so that they would be fed and that they would see that God is their provider, right? He was demonstrating the kingdom. He doesn't need you. So why does he want our tenth? Why does he want the first part? Because your money is connected to your heart. He wants your heart. That's all. That's all. (laughs) He wants your heart. He doesn't need your money. He wants you. He wants your allegiance and devotion. He wants your love and your worship. He wants your trust and your dependence. He wants you. The tithe is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. That's what he wants. He wants your heart. Now, like I said, tithing and and, and offerings, tithes and offerings, fuel the work of the kingdom, but he can do it however he wants. See, this church is not dependent on your giving. You fuel what God is doing, but God is the provider here. I don't know what anybody gives. I don't care what anybody gives. I care in a different sense. I'm not worried about it. I don't know what anybody gives. Even if I did, I wouldn't even know if you were tithing or not, right? I wouldn't know, and I don't care. I don't need to know, because it's not about me, and it's not about this church. Oh, it fuels the kingdom. Very grateful. But as Paul said, we're good. Just a little, little paraphrase in Philippians 4. He says, we're good. 
I'm looking to what it credits to your account. That's how I feel. See, the reason why I can preach this to you is because I really believe this. I'm really convinced that it belongs to God, and you are the steward, and he promises blessing. And I'm convinced that this church, God will provide for what God is calling me to do and us to do as a church. And if you want to be a part of it, praise God. But it's really about you. And so I would say, just like uh, Malachi, test him and see what happens. It's all between you and the Lord. But see, I believe that my responsibility is to teach you this and to feed you because I'm not just a steward of my finances. See, I believe I'll be blessed and taken care of because I tithe. You'll be blessed when you tithe. But I'm not just a steward of my house. I'm a steward of this house. can't make you do anything. I'm not trying to. I just want to bless you. I want you to be blessed. I pray for you that you would know the Lord. You would hear God. That you would walk in his ways. I pray. I cry out to God all the time that you would be blessed. I declare favor and blessing over you all the time. For you. Not for me. <clears throat> and so, uh, he wants our hearts. Listen to this in Deuteronomy 14, 22. You shall truly tithe all, there it is again, all the increase of your grain that the field produces by, uh, year by year, and you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses to make his name abide, the tithe of your grain and your new wine and your oil, of the firstborn of your herds and your flocks. Listen, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And they, so they would eat this and they would bring the Levites and the widows and the orphans and stuff. It was giving to the ministry. It was giving to the poor. But notice what it says, that you may learn to fear the Lord. It's the same reason actually given why we read the Bible. That it's less about the reading it and more about what it does in me. When I read it, Bible... I can know God and such, but that's the point. It's so I will fear him. What does that mean? What is he after in tithing? This is what I'm trying to say. He's after you learning to fear him. What does that mean? See, so many people in our culture, they're led by what they see. They're led by what they see. And we rationalize how we're going to get this and get that. We've tried the credit card. We've tried the job. We've tried the this. We've tried education. We've tried this. And he's saying, test me. Test me. See, God wants us to do what's right in his eyes, not what's right in our eyes. This is what so many people do. They do what's right in their own eyes. See, your, your money is connected to your heart. And the Bible says that, in Proverbs 4, that your heart is connected to every other issue in your life. Money, money is about your heart. And what you do with your money tells God where your heart is. It's an evidence of where your heart is. It's not the only thing. It's not the only thing. Oh, but it's critical, isn't it? You can't serve God or money. Seek first the kingdom of God. It's, it's core, isn't it? Jesus says of so many things, money will tell you where your heart is at. And you cannot compartmentalize these things. See, there are some well-meaning believers out there that I, I'm very familiar with the debate. Believe me, you, I don't always uh, uh, get into this like on a Sunday morning. 
because I don't think it's necessary, but I'm very familiar with the debate among scholars, bloggers, everyone, of whether or not tithing is a New Testament principle or not, whether it's not it's in the New Covenant. I've heard the arguments. I've studied it. I've looked at it. Obviously, you can tell what my conclusion is. When I meet people or when I read things, and I'm sure they love the Lord, uh, and they are saying, no, you know, be free from tithing and just give. I know people where they give extravagantly. They give extravagantly. They follow the law of love and they give far beyond the tithe. Extravagantly. They're giving to the partner in the local church. They're giving extravagantly to the work of the Lord, you know, maybe the poor, and they're very generous people. See, when I meet a person like that, and like I said, I, I've read people from the past, I know people currently, when I see somebody whose heart is like that, I say to myself, cool, you don't believe in tithing? Way to go. Praise God. Like, it's not that bad of an idea. Be free from tithing so you can give. But when I see... So rampant in the body of Christ nowadays. So rampant among various voices, scholars, leaders, pastors, bloggers. So rampant. A, oh, it's not in the New Testament. Oh, this and that. And what Jesus said that in Matthew 23 before the cross. And they're applying what we call hermeneutical principles that are wrong. And it's frightening to me to be honest with you. It's a slippery slope. Because if you can do that with that instruction about what's God's and what's first, then what will you do with the rest? See, tithing is more about what's going on in your heart and about who's first. Tithing is so I'll learn to fear the Lord. So I'll learn that God is my provider and not man or mammon or money It's so I'll learn to fear the Lord and put Him first and do what's right in His eyes, not what's right in my eyes. It's to learn that no matter what happens, God will take care of me. So I'm not going to look to the ways of this world. And I'm not going to look to the principles of this world. I'll be led by the voice of the Lord and not by the things of this world. Because man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of his mouth. See, when you put God first, and especially in money, it causes your heart. This is the powerful thing. Listen, tithing will direct your heart into the fear of the Lord and will strengthen you to obey God. It will give you the very thing you need in every area of your life, the fear of the Lord, because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But I'll tell you, the people who are just trying to use this hermeneutical thing, this, oh, well, it's not in the New Testament, which it is, by the way, it's not this, it's not that, it's not this. And well, and or even worse in my mind, even worse. Well, the Holy Spirit told me that I don't need to and it's okay. And so basically, being led by emotions and then calling it the Holy Spirit. It's frightening to me to be honest with you. It's a slippery slope. Now, when I say slippery slope, I'm not one of those conspiracy guys that thinks everybody's going to go down the slope, but most people do. Because where your money is, there your heart will be. And if we're not putting God first, begins to zap us of strength in obedience to God in other areas. I'm convinced. If you, if you can compromise this one, well, what other ones are you going to compromise? What other things are you going to say? Well, the Holy Spirit just told me it's okay to or not to. There's a, 
Because it's all connected. And I've seen this happen. You start saying, well, I don't need to do that one. Then you start saying, I don't need to do that one or that one or that one. See, I'll tell you, many of you, I'm sorry, I didn't say that right. There, there are some people, you're struggling and you want to get free. You want to be free. You want to be free from that addiction or that bondage. And you don't realize that your heart is connected to your money. And that if you tithe, you would actually train your heart to fear the Lord. How do you not know that your very, the weakness against that temptation isn't be, because you've not trained your heart to fear the Lord? Now, I'm not saying it's only tithing, so don't like, take my words out of context. But I am saying, this is critical. See, faith isn't just like, oh, well, I believe in God. Oh, God's my provider, I believe in God. It's not just about what you believe mentally. Faith acts, right? Faith is, faith acts on what it believes. Faith acts. So the question is, what, do you really believe God's your provider? Because if you did, you would, you'd put him first. You'd do what he says. And so I've just seen it, I've seen it. And I've told you, look, I'm not responsible for those people. Out. I'm not responsible for the bloggers. I bless them, praise God, God will bless them. God will use them too. I'm not trying to judge anyone, but when I, I, I can't just, not, as a pastor, not tell you that if we compromise in one area, what's to say we're going to have strength in the other areas? But what I am saying is if you step out in faith and trust God with your finances, not only will God bless you in your finances, but the greater blessing, the greater blessing of breakthrough and freedom from worry, that place of being at rest because you know God's going to come through for you. How about just the strength and the resolve because you're stepping out in faith active faith for even your marriage or to get breakthrough with that addiction see oftentimes we're struggling with these things and we're, uh, where, where's the strength against sin i'll tell you fear the lord it's not a feeling god's saying put me first put me first listen to proverbs 3 trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. We like that one. And he shall direct your paths. Okay, cool. Praise God. I'll acknowledge the Lord. Amen. God, speak to me. You'll direct my path. But guess what the next verse is? It's all connected. Do not be wise in your own eyes. So don't lean on your own understanding and be wise in your own eyes and think, you got this thing figured out. And I know how these things work. And this is wise and this isn't wise. I put my money here and my money here. And well, I need this and I need that. He's saying, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Okay, cool, cool. I'll fear the Lord. He's just talking about moral things. Don't sin. Walk in purity, right? And then the next verse. Verse 8, well, he talks about the promise. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Verse 9, listen. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Of all your increase. This is in the Proverbs, by the way. Just a principle of wisdom, yeah? Comes right out of the Torah. Right here, he promises, then so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine, because his heart is to bless you. But notice what he wants. He wants all your heart. He wants trust. He wants you to fear him and walk in his wisdom and not in your own ways. He wants you to honor him. That was what the conclusion was in Psalm 50 after he said, look, I don't need anything from you. He says in verse 14 of Psalm 50, offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows. To the most high. Dude, what, what is God after? 
He's after, do you worship me? Do you honor me? Do you serve me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me with all of your heart? Do you lean on my wisdom and understanding? Do you eat from the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Do you put me first? Am I your God? That's what this is all about. That's what this is all about. He's not after your money. He's after your heart. And listen, many of you tithe. Likely, I, I, I think we're all having an awesome church. So I'm not preaching this because I don't think you tithe. I'm actually preaching this because you've got to know why you do what you do. This is not religious. This is not legalism. He wants a relationship. He wants intimacy. And he's saying, I'm after the kingdom. I'm after the, the I, I want to make disciples. You want to join me? He wants partnership with you. He wants intimacy with you. He wants your heart. How can he have intimacy if we don't trust him? How can we be connected to the Lord if we're not joining with him in his ministry? You say, hey, you go, God. You go. Go save some people. You go save some people. All right, well, you want to come with me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I want to come with you. I love you because you love me. Okay, cool. So put me first with your money. Let's, let's partner here. And you'll experience my blessing and my presence and peace and all that. Come here. Nah. <laughs> let's just have this intimacy right here. Let's sing in songs. When he says, yeah, yeah, I like the songs, but honor me with your first fruits of all your increase. Honor me, honor me. That's what he wants. This is about your heart. See what I mean? This is about worship. This is about who's our God. <clears throat> Remember Cain and Abel? In Hebrews eleven four, it says, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Bottom line, right? Abel, better sacrifice. Cain, not better. And then, of course, it says, by faith. By faith. By faith, right? Just like Abraham left everything by faith and became an heir of the promised land and of the world, right? Because through Abraham, Jesus came. Would Abraham have been the father of our faith if he had not left everything to follow the Lord? No. Faith obeys, doesn't it? Faith steps out in action, yes? So the Hebrew author says, hey, we all know that Abel offered a better sacrifice to God than Cain. By faith. By faith. Would you ever wonder why that was? It's actually very clear in the text from Genesis 4. Much more clear than most people realize. Listen to this. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Hmm. Is it like just like an enigma that nobody can figure out? No, it's actually really clear right there in the text. You notice this? Watch this, verse 3. And in the process of time, yeah, you know, time passed. Literally what it's saying. Time went by, time went by. Time went by, and Cain brought an offering. Not a tithe, not the first, and offering. So time went by. Here you go, God. Here's some fruit from my ground. Thank you. 
But Abel, it says, brought the what? Firstborn. 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 Not in the process of time. Not, well, you know, time went by. Firstborn. First. First. I tell you, it's right there. It's right there. Why did Abel offer the firstborn first? Why was Abel's offering better? Because he trusted God. Listen, tithing is an evidence that we believe God is our provider. Remember, uh, the Lord told Jerry Dearman this one time. It's a profound prophetic word. He said, people, he said, my people often trust more in 10% of their income to provide for them than me. It's true, isn't it? We trust more in the power of 10% than we do that God will provide for us and cause us to increase. That's what Cain did. Abel did the opposite. It's very clear. Abel put the, gave God the first because he trusted God. And that's what got him into the hall of fame of faith. Cain, here you go, God. He tipped God, but he didn't give God what was due him. The tithe belongs to the Lord. But it's because He wants your heart. Now look, it's between you and the Lord. Many of you, I just want to strengthen your faith, encourage you. Some of you, I know this can be challenging. Sometimes we fall short and you just need to make a little adjustment. It's not like God, you know, make you pay back taxes or something. Don't think like that, you know? Jeez. God's grace abounds. His grace abounds. He, just, he wants a relationship. He wants intimacy. He wants your heart. All, all it means is, well, okay, right now. I'm going to give him my first. Now. Now. Right now. You know, and some of you, it might mean taking, it might mean some work to like re-look at things. You need some help. There's brothers and sisters in Christ who can sit down and look. Some people, it's sacrificial. I recognize that. In fact, it's one of the reasons I think we need to teach our children young to tithe. Because I started tithing when I was 16 when I came to Christ and what made it, makes it easier, if you will, to tithe when you have nothing. And then as it increases, you just keep blessing the Lord. But of course, that's why there's been increase, because I've been tithing. But it's tough. I, I know that. So it's not a message of condemnation. You're out. But it is like, you need to take see these things seriously. And it, again, it's a heart issue. Is your heart fearing the Lord? Is your heart trusting Him? All right? So this is about the heart. It's not as much about the money. He wants the first part, right? Uh, Charity, come on up. <clears throat> all right, there's a number of people in our church that tithe, and partly I know this because of their lifestyle, because of what, you know, being friends for a long time, but Charity's one of them that really owns this and I think has a heart for it, and I just want you to share with us a little bit well, why, why you tithe, and give us the heart of it. You know, I preached the Word and showed us from the Word, but what, what really is it? You want a stool? No. Okay, I'm going to sit down. Go for it. Charity, friends. I don't know how long I'm talking, but... Um, a few minutes. Give it to us. Well, Dave texted me last night. He said, can I ask you why you tithe? And that was the extent of our conversation. So I've been pondering it since then, and I thought, it, it's out of obedience. And I, that, that could be it, but I have a lot of other things I could testify about God's goodness. And this, I am in so encouraged by your word, because it's even in this moment, been making me feel um, that it's, I'm, I've never seen so clearly that it's about so much more than finances. Mm. But um, I would start my story, my testimony, 
um, just as a, a wee child, my parents planted a small church up in Northern California. And by small church, I mean in the school year, because it was a college town, we had about 30 people there. In the summertime, my family of six was at least half of the congregation. So <laughs> you can imagine there wasn't a lot of tithes and offerings coming into the church. And my dad was bivocational a lot of that. My mom never worked. She was home with us, um, very busy. And my mom tells stories about not knowing how we were going to eat. And someone would show up on the doorstep with a bag of groceries. But I'll tell you, I got an got um, allowance. I got a dollar. And that first dime always went in the offering basket at church on Sunday. We had a garden. And my mom and dad gave the first fruits of that garden every year to neighbors. And there was something so powerful about the example they set for us that um, as they modeled out of their lack, being generous and being obedient to doing what the Lord has told them, and even to modeling it to, to us. Um, I do fundraising, and my company did some research a few years back and found that the number one correlation to donors giving generously is the influence of their parents. Their families talked about giving, and they share that experience with their kids so as I'm listening and um, just thinking about my own future family, I want to encourage you guys to really think about the impact that your obedience has on the people in your life as they see that. So for me, it wasn't a matter of, I love to give. I'm really excited about this. But what it did was it allowed the Lord to establish a track record of faithfulness in my life. And I never once doubted that we would always have what we needed. So skipped a lot of years, and I came time for college, and I came down to APU, and I was like, oh, well, that's where I'm going to go to school, and I know my mom in her heart was like, oh, God, how are we going to do this? <laughs> they made, like, no money for a family of six. She's like, okay, we'll also apply to Cal Poly San Luis, because you could live at home, and tuition's a lot cheaper. I'm like, I, I don't want to. I'm not going there. <laughs> She's like, just do it. God provided every bit of my funding for school, yep. for undergrad, for grad school at APU. Um, and I've just, I've had uh, a lot of fun. I mean, what God's done is I've given my tithe, and I believe that's first, first, the first tenth comes off of your gross pay. It's the first thing I write every month. I write three checks every month. One is my rent, and two are my tithe checks after I get paid because it's an important act to me to actually physically write that check and to put it in the basket when it comes by. It's um, the way I keep my heart connected to where my money's yeah. going. God continues to bless me. I've had countless promotions at work. Um, I'm walking in favor and blessing there, and it's so fun then, out of, out of my abundance, because if he's blessed me so much, I give my tithe and I get to give. Sometimes I give anonymously when I hear people have a need, um, I like to respond every time people ask for mission support because I think it's so powerful for them to have the partnership in that. And it's so exciting. So I just got um, a promotion in the middle of a really downtime at work. I'm going to give my first fruits as soon as that first paycheck comes in. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's the entire difference, the entire gross pay difference from what my last paychecks were. It puts me a little short that month, I'm not going to lie, because I don't actually get all that money in my paycheck. But I get great joy out of doing it. Yeah. And it's so much fun. And especially when I get to give anonymously, I get other people involved in it. Yep. I have a friend, actually, who I asked to be like the angel and take the envelope. And he was like, that was so cool. I've never done that before. 
So um, I just, you know, again, it's the downtime at work, and I feel like in the last 18 to 24 months or so, God has given me this ability to kind of soar over the potential oppression of just how tough it is in fundraising right now and how bad our business is. But I've personally had increase. My business portfolio has had increase. Um, I've been, I was thinking of Isaiah 40. Those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. And I was like, that's exactly what I've been describing to people. That in the middle of all this, I know without a doubt, I'm walking in blessing and favor. And it is the funnest place to be. Cool. You probably encourage your uh, clients who believe in God for donors. Amen. Praise God. Wherever Kurt is, Kurt, come on up and lead us in response. But you can see, uh, I love Charity's heart. It is about obedience. And I, I really felt like this morning as I was driving here, it was the Lord even kind of a, a little bit of a whisper of like, remind them it's, it's about obedience. And yet, do you see how much bigger it is than dollars and cents or how much better it is than just, oh, toughen it out, obedience. I love what Charity said, connecting her heart to the fact she's giving, giving with faith. And then you see the kingdom increase, and you see blessing come back to you, and there's a joy in that. So I want you to test the Lord, and I want you to continue to be faithful and thank you as a church, because you really are extravagant givers. Many of you give anonymously like that. Uh, let's stand, and Kurt, lead us in response. And uh, as I was kind of praying, Lord, listening, the verse, delight yourselves in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I just want to tell you right now, the, the Lord hears, he knows. And that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to say, Lord, we delight in you. We delight in the advance of your kingdom. We delight. We delight. We delight to see your face, Lord. So, Father, it's not saying I don't like other things. You, I enjoy all the blessings you give me. But when it comes to the first thing, I delight in you. So do that with me. I'm just going to declare that, and you just repeat after me. I'm going to say, I delight in you, Lord. I seek your favor. I don't seek the favor of mammon. I don't seek the favor of money. I seek your face. Because they could take it all. But if I have you, I have everything. And church, I'm going to pray this over you. I declare the Lord is saying he has everything. And this morning, some of you received faith. And I encourage you to water that faith. You might get home and look at the bills. You might get to work and start forgetting what you learned. I, I encourage some of you this week. I declare as you would water that seed, as you would meditate the word, the Father is going to allow a breakthrough in your heart. Because that's where it starts and that's where it begins. So I thank you, Father, that there's going to be breakthroughs in hearts this week. There's going to be breakthroughs in uh, checkbooks. There's going to be breakthroughs in relationships, addictions. There's going to be issues not seemingly connected. I declare you're going to experience freedom in the name of the Lord because you chose to be faithful. You said, I delight in God I enjoy my money but I delight in God so I thank you Father that you're going to do that <laughs> so in Jesus name amen and church I, I bless you today I bless you in the name of the Lord you're going to go home and be blessed be blessed as you go out and give tip your waiters good you know because we're a generous people oh before I forget <laughs> thank you Lord uh, we are tearing down today uh, school doesn't